You know, it's just such a blessing to be here among a bunch of uh, men that desire to have Christ at the center of their life. I mean, when I found this group, uh, I was truly searching uh, for a group of men that, that desired to put Christ in the center. And, uh, and so this has really been a blessing. During my prayer time in mid-December, uh, forget today, it was probably around 14th or 15th of December, uh, I didn't know that Curtis had a series plan for prayer, but the Lord just put on my heart that as I was in my prayer time that I need to pray for this group, not just in passing, but spend some dedicated time and set it aside and pray for this group of men that if you look around, man, look around at the space in this room that's not filled. And, uh, you know, it's not, we don't need men here just to fill up space. We need men here because men need Christ in their life. And so it, God really put it on my heart to, to pray for this, this ministry, for these pastors, for what's going on here in this church so we can fill this room up so that men won't be left out. We need men that are, that are leading from Christ. And uh, he really, you know, during that time, God really placed on me that I need to ask you to be dedicated. Not just, not just pray as you're going through your day, but set some time aside. Set some time aside every day to pray specifically for this ministry and for these pastors of this church. And then, you know what else? Ask somebody to come. Invite somebody to come because, you know what, it's not just the pastor's job to, uh, to fill this room. It's the pastor's job to minister to those people that fill this room. You and I are the ones that have to do that. We've got to be the ones that reach out to those around us. The, let me tell you, the Bible, uh, share with you, the Bible tells us that Jesus found a place of solitude to pray every time he was facing a decision in his life. Just every day he went and found a place that was off by itself left all of his disciples, and he went and prayed. Um, let me read the scripture in Mark one thirty-five. It says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off into the solitary place, and he prayed. That was before his Galilean ministry. In Luke 6.12, it says, One of these days Jesus went out, of the, out to the mountainside to pray, and he spent the entire night praying praying to God, and this was before he chose his 12 disciples. Think about that. Have you ever spent 30 minutes in prayer? Dedicated prayer, nothing else? Jesus spent all night in prayer. Why would he do that? Why would Jesus, the Son of God, need to spend time in prayer? Did he not already know everything there was to know? Why would he do that? Because he was in relationship with the Father. He was one with the Father. He knew the Father could discern his human thoughts. He knew the Father would encourage him during the time that, that was in front of him. Uh, he had that intimate relationship with him. Jesus confessed, I can do nothing without the Father. I can do nothing without the Father. Think about it. If Jesus knew that he could do nothing without communicating with the Father, what makes us think we can do anything without communicating with the Father? 
You know, starting your day without prayer, I thought about this one time, it's been many years ago, um, get up and, and run out of the house because I've got such a busy day and uh, think, well, I'll, I'll spend some time in prayer later on in the day. But whenever we do that, whenever we start our day without prayer, we're saying, God, I got this. I got this. Just kind of follow along with me, and when I need you, I'll, I'll call you in. What arrogance. How arrogant is that? It seems to me that our arrogance presumes that God will automatically take care of us simply because we confess with our lips that we are His. We have this attitude that God should know what I need. God knows everything. Doesn't He know what I need? Why do I have to spend my time telling Him what I need when He already knows? Why would I do that? Now, I bet that when, you, when I just said that, you probably thought went through your mind that I would never tell God that. I would never say, God, you already know what I need. But see, the reality is we do. The reality is we treat God like someone that just takes orders from us. We, we lay out all of the things that we want God to do for us, and we just expect him to hand that to us at the prescribed time and place that we've dictated. The book of James says that uh, only a fool says, I will go here or there without asking God's directions. And you and I don't have a clue what today brings. We don't have a clue. Without asking God, you and I are walking around in darkness. Luke 18.35 says, And Jesus approached Jericho. A blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what, what was happening. And they told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. And so the blind man cried out, Jesus, Son of God, or Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and ordered that the man be brought to him. When the man came near, Jesus asked him, What do you want me to do for you? And the man replied, Lord, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Now, I remember years ago reading that scripture and thinking, Well, why did Jesus have to ask a blind man what he wanted? Would it not have been common sense that this man wanted to see? No, it wouldn't have been. Because there's no telling what we need within us. Sometimes the obvious thing is not what's, what's really have us bound up. We have to ask. Jesus wants us to know what we want. He wants us to know what we want, and he wants us to ask for it because he wants to be in relationship with us. And any relationship that doesn't consist of, of respect, trust, and communication is not really a relationship. Any relationship that forces its own opinion on somebody else is not a relationship. And when we do all the talking and no listening, 
we're forcing our will on, on God, on Jesus. Any relationship that has no communication is not a relationship. Whether it be with our, our spouses, our children, our friends, or whether it's with God. Solitude and prayer is a way to regain perspective on who God is and who we are. It should be a time where we go to an old friend, where we hear and expect to hear the voice of a, somebody that, that uh, loves us, that, that wants us to prosper. Prayer is a time of alignment with God's will. Communication in a relationship determines whether the relationship will live or die. And again, that doesn't matter whether that's with another person or with God. And the most important part of our communication in a relationship is listening. If you can't listen to what I have to say and respond to that that I have said, we are not communicating. We are not in relationship. Now, listening is not the first thing that you think of whenever you think about communication, is it? We think about what we're going to say. In fact, so many times we don't respond to what's being said to us because we're so busy thinking of what, how we're going to respond that we don't hear what's said. You want to have a better prayer life? You want to have a better relationship with God? Find a place of solitude and listen. Force yourself to listen. And it seemed, maybe seems strange if I say force yourself. Wouldn't that be just something we do? Can't we just listen? But the world has taught us with so much noise that we don't listen specifically. We don't listen for something. We just listen. Most of us say we're in constant prayer because we talk to God all day long. And uh, we're constantly seeking His desires and, and praising Him with our thoughts. But the truth is that the average adult male changes thoughts every eight seconds. I said average. This table over here is about two. Sorry. <clears throat> yeah. I lost them when I started up the stairs a while ago. Every eight seconds, you change thoughts. You choose whether to stay on the same task or whether to let your mind wander. How many times have you praised God with, with your mind, with your thoughts, and the next minute you're putting running boards on your truck? Okay, that's the next thought. There's, there's nothing that continues there whenever you're just praying as you're going through the day. Now, I think you should, you should do that. We're called to be in constant prayer. But out of that eight seconds, how much time did you spend listening? And you think, well, that's crazy. I know I spend, uh, uh, that I spend more time than that, but you don't. Just every thought, every time I say, praise the Lord for that person or praise the Lord for this, 
It took less than eight seconds. 10,000 people, 10,000 confessing Christians were surveyed a couple years ago on how much time they spent listening to God. The average was one minute. One minute. And you think, well, that's crazy because I know I spend more time than that. But think about it. If you praise God eight seconds out of every hour, eight hours a day, 64 seconds. A little bit over a minute. And again, there's no time to listen. If solitude and time alone with God was not important, why did Jesus do it? Why would Jesus, the Son of God, spend so much time in solitude and prayer if it wasn't necessary? How much more in alignment with God are we than Jesus? Are we that much more in tune with what God has to say than Jesus that we don't need to spend time in prayer? Prayer has always been an important part of my life, and especially when I was a teenager praying to God that he'd get me out of this mess and I'd get myself out of the next one. But I rarely gave God time to speak. My prayers were all about me and what he could do for me, not what I could do for him. As I got older, and I mean in my 20s, I realized that uh, prayer became even more important because I realized that I wasn't bulletproof, that there was kryptonite laid out everywhere that I walked. For you younger people, kryptonite's that stuff that Superman used to take away his powers, okay? It's bad when your sermon illustrations are older than the entire group's age. I have no superpowers. And I realized that I needed God. So I I really did start to search him and to to make him a part of my life. And not only asking what for things that I needed, but asking what I can do for him in my my late 20s. And about this time, uh, it was probably in my mid-20s when I became a drilling superintendent for a a drilling company out of Tulsa. And that's before I went into the financial world. I spent uh, about 20 years in the drilling business. And part of my job as drilling superintendent was to keep the high-pressure gas wells from blowing out, from losing control and catching on fire. And, uh, you know, I was young, and I was good at what I did, and I was probably pretty cocky. I was pretty sure of myself. In fact, I knew that I knew what I, was, what I could do. And I faced a lot of time on gas wells. Uh, it, it was fun. It was the, the, uh, the challenge of knowing that it could blow out and could uh, catch on fire, and, and my expertise was going to keep that from happening. And I just looked forward to every day in that challenge. This one day in western Oklahoma uh, in 1980, uh, we called out to a well that was getting ready to drill off into a high-pressure gas zone, 
And for some reason that day, I didn't feel right. Something just didn't feel right. And uh, I pulled on location, and I remember I always spent time in prayer before we started our operation, before we drilled off into those high-pressure gas zones. And I would prepare myself. But this day, everything was different. I just didn't feel good. I mean, it just something inside me said, something's wrong. My first words in my prayer were, God, I don't want to die by fire. I don't want to burn to death. I'd never said that. That had not ever crossed my mind before. And all day long, as I went through the process of controlling this well, I continued to say, God, I don't want to die by fire. In the late afternoon, it was a cold, foggy day. Uh, I went around behind a drilling rig and climbed up on a piece of equipment. And uh, we were flaring gas. We already had a stream of gas coming out that we were flaring. It was about a six-inch stream of gas and it had 800 pounds of pressure behind it. A lot of gas. A uh, valve that we needed to hold blew up and released that gas all over all over the location that quick. And then I seen it catch on fire. I seen it ignite. And there was no place for me to run. And I prayed over and over just constantly in a matter of a blink of an eye. God, I don't want to die by fire. That fire went around me and left me in a isolated in a little spot about six by six, where there was no fire. Nope, that's not possible. Because raw gas doesn't stop burning. And I continued to pray, and the fire went out. Now, I have an engineering background, and there's a lot of engineers that have tried to figure out why raw natural gas stopped burning. The source wasn't cut off. We still had a six-inch stream of gas coming out of that well. But the fire went out. My team come around the backside of that rig expecting to find me just a charred body. Nobody could understand how I could be in, this, in the center of that fire and not be burned. But I knew. Thirty years later, my son-in-law hit his three-month-old son in the head, my three-month-old grandson, and killed him. And I prayed, God, knit his skull back together. Heal my grandson. I know you can do that. My grandson died. And I remember the moment when I needed to tell my daughter that we needed to take life support off. And I prayed, God, I can't do this. I cannot do this. Now, I'd been a chaplain for hospice for a number of years, and I'd been with numerous people as they died. This was different. This was my daughter I was going to have to tell that we needed to unhook life support. God did not heal my grandson. 
but he gave me the peace to minister to my daughter and to the rest of my family so that we could get through that time. But you know what's even greater than that? He gave me the peace to minister to my son-in-law during that time. Both times, both of these witnesses that I've given you, God answered my prayer. One time he delivered exactly what I wanted. He saved me from burning up. The next time, he didn't give me what I asked for, but he gave me what I needed. <clears throat> you know what I hope you'll take out of this witness is that there's nothing that you shouldn't ask for. And that you need to you need to pray specifically for what you desire. And God's going to answer that prayer. It may not be in the way that you desire it to be, but he's going to answer that prayer. There's an old saying in the business world, dig your well before you're thirsty. I want to apply that to our relationship with God. You need to come to know God personally before you need him. Because you will walk through hell here on earth at some point in time. I don't know of anybody that doesn't. And you need to be able to call out to somebody that you know, not just somebody that somebody's told you about. There needs to be a familiar voice. I'm going to be praying for everybody in here, and this, I'm going to be praying that we fill this room up. I hope you'll be praying that direction too. Let us pray. Father, I just praise you for the time that we have together this morning. Just praise you, Lord, for each man here. I don't know exactly what each man needs, but, Father, I know that you do. And I pray that you touch each item in each man's heart and that there's a peace within them, Father, that they understand your presence. I pray, Lord, that as this year progresses, that this ministry progresses, that we reach more and more men. And, Lord, just cover us with that grace, surround us with a hedge of protection, and lead us in all that we say and do. In Jesus' name, amen.